0: I do believe this is like a 2018 style recession, but I don't really believe that was a true recession. I think it was a forced one. And I don't disagree. I don't agree that that we're going to have that. This is not a credit deteriorating set of circumstances. I think that's actually not accurate. I just don't think there's enough data there to support it. Mm. Yes, the housing market will be stronger. Yes, the credit for mortgages and HELOCs will be stronger. But consumer credit is out of control. Yeah spending is out of control and there's there seems to be this constant reliance on the fact that consumers have made more historically and gotten used to spending more but that's a behavioral economics play that I think we're forgetting here
1: yeah I don't think I don't think people have fully grasped that they need to change that lifestyle
0: relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. You heard the intro. You already know it's the higher standard, and I am one of your two hosts, Chris, aka the Sasha Baron Cohen of real estate, aka Liam Neeson. A fi- I can't even say it right. Lee need some financial yeah. services?
1: I don't fucking know. BKA. B-K-A. Mr. <laughs> yeah, Sensitive nipples. Well,
0: and that right there is the Fred Flintstone to my Barney Rubble. That is
1: Said Omar. Oh, no. Mr. Crispy High Resolution Audio. Back at it again. I thought we discussed you were not allowed to use that. Yeah, yeah. That, that's insulting to the uh, show. Un- until we remove it, I'm using that.
0: All right. So we have a lot of things to get to this particular week because there just happens to be a lot of really good quotes out there for us to share with all of you, the audience. However, before we begin... All right. I thought I would preface this with a conversation that I have not yet had with Saeed. A number of people have reached out to me on social media, including a couple phone calls from personal friends saying that uh, in some instances, we sound a little bit more technical than they are uh, able to keep up with. Oh, OK. They don't always understand the terms and the vernacular that we are throwing out. I have mentioned this to you in the past as well. Yeah, but I consider myself to be a moron. So the fact <laughs> that anybody thinks anything I am saying is intelligent is funny. To that, I have two things to say. Number one, this episode will be a special one for you. We've taken the time to be methodical about our approach and give you a bunch of information in a really cohesive, clear way, which you can then turn around and articulate, hopefully, to your friends and family and look cool at parties. Yeah. And you can also make fun of people like Keeping Current Matters. Which
1: brings us into our first segment. Our
0: first segment of the show, Keeping Current Matters, as you may or may not know, is a real estate service-based company that sells social media and, frankly, all sorts of other advertising to real estate agents. They basically say, why do all the hard work of having to create social media content? We can do it for you. Well, their latest post, as of uh, this particular podcast, is titled, Many Experts Raise Home Price Forecasts. and they talk about Fannie Mae. Freddie Mac, National Association of Realtors, Zellman, a couple other ones.
1: raise the forecast.
0: Raising the forecast from a, from an original January 2022 appreciation forecast of 7.6% in the case of Fannie Mae to 16%. Freddie Mac, 6.2% to 12.8%. National Association of Realtors, 5.1% to 11.5%. Basically, what they're saying is despite all the stuff we've talked about on the show, mm-hmm. despite all the stuff we've seen in the economy... Hey, Economists. Yeah, yeah. Experts, these nebulous experts are saying, you know what? It's gonna more than double what we thought. Yeah, timing on this was perfect. Perfect. So, of course, I had to go to the comment section, which was hilarious. Everybody was taking shots across the bow. And I am surprised. You know, kudos to keeping current matters. They have not blocked me yet. They've restricted me so nobody can see my comments on their page. Yeah. But they have not blocked me yet. And I took the liberty of putting them on some free game. Okay. (laughs) Out that day. From the New York Post, this is the headline Severe US housing downturn possible. Prices could fall 15%, according to Fitch. And for those of you who don't know, Fitch is like Moody's, they're just an aggregator of data. Very, very well known, very, very common in the space, used by a lot of, of larger companies. But what they do is they aggregate data and put together projections and pro forma, and people use it for all sorts of things like banking.
1: Which I believe we mentioned on the last episode.
0: We did. We talked about them a lot. So here is the quote from Fitch Fitch's likely projections suggest that U.S. home prices could sink by 10 to 15%. So not rise, sink. Sync. Yeah. In the case of a major housing slump, alongside a roughly 30 percent decline or more in housing activity over the next few years. Mm. So point of reference, for those of you listening to the show and you're religious about it, one of our five followers, we love you. Yes. We did say. 10 to 12 percent, maybe 12 to 15 percent, those are the actual quotes we threw out
1: mm-hmm. for home value depreciation in the next year.: Yeah, and in some markets probably even closer to 20.
0: Yeah, and it's yeah. going to vary significantly by markets across the country. But right. that being said, this is exactly what we've been saying. Yeah. From a major rating and ag- aggregating agency. This is what they do for a living. Right, exactly. And yet, here we are the same day that that literally opposite. That, so just a reminder, keeping current matters. Selling information to realtors. Realtors take this and they go to you, the home buyers, and they pitch you on the information they're getting from companies like this. Mm-hmm. Same day, they're saying that Fannie Mae says 16% increase next year. Freddie Mac says 12.8% next year. National Association of Realtors says 11.5% next year. Meanwhile, Fitch is saying 10 to 15% this year, possibly 30% decline or more in housing activity over the next few years. Right. Clearly,
1: there's a problem here. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, this is... A- We know that there's an affordability issue here, right? So with that, the only way for it to go is for it to come down. Mm. Right?
0: It's so sexy when you make it sound so simple.
1: (laughs) But I mean, home prices are already showing to come down 5%. Now, coming down 5% off of 40% increases doesn't seem like a whole lot. But it's starting to trend back down and the correction or adjustment or whatever the hell you want to call it is beginning. This, so there's a number of things that I think are really frustrating people.
0: Everybody who's listens to this show has heard like different opinions from everybody. Mm-hmm. Who do you trust? Yeah. I mean, there, there are so many different people that are supposed to be smart people that have differences of opinions. Yeah. there's so many different reporting. Most people don't understand where the data is coming from. They just hear data and they, they go, oh, okay, this person says the values are going up. This person says the values are going down. Right. And it's really hard to understand and see through the bullshit. And I hope that this show gives people a little bit of clarity because we're not trying to give you this from... We're trying to sell you something perspective is not a, there's not a bias in this we're just right. trying to give you the data as it is there is no agenda
1: that's generally my approach to most things when i'm seeking out information is let me try to listen to the voices that a have the experience that say like you have and b that make we sure have, we have we, have, we and, have and b make sure that person isn't trying to sell me something well you know oh, the record we haven't you might be younger but you're not
0: younger enough to where you can say that i have this wisdom that you don't have i don't like you painting me as the right. old dude you on know, show you are the, the i mean subtly like, and we're they're, gonna, they're, gonna, they're, gonna yeah, drop that. there's no, no stop yeah. okay we're gonna for, forgive saiz ageism for the moment <laughs> because we don't want to get canceled for being biased like that By we i mean me Mm-hmm. And we have several videos this particular episode, which are clips that we
1: found, I think, somewhat beneficial, would you say? 100%. And a lot of it, you'll probably recognize or remember us saying. Yes. So this is
0: not confirmation bias. I did not seek these out. These actually made national headlines. And I thought the clips that were being played... We're right on target with the things that we were telling you just the last week, particularly about, you know, home builders and housing starts. So I think you brought that up. Right. Brought that up on the last episode. So let's jump right into housing starts and the National Association of Home Builders.
2: And the builders in that survey did say that uh, a lot of them were lowering prices on average, about five percent, not just to get more buyers in the door, but also to slow cancellations. And that's a big problem. We're seeing cancellations pop up significantly, almost double what they were in April. So again, it's not surprising that the starts would come down because we saw from the new home sales report in June, there is a 9.3 month supply of homes for sale right now. A balanced market is considered four to six months. So the builders have a lot of stock that they aren't able to sell and that supply is just getting to be too much. So they're obviously lowering starts accordingly. So again, not a great read on these. And again, with the multifamily, the permit's a little better. We Do need to see more affordable rental housing problem is a lot of these multifamily starts are not necessarily in the affordable category because, as Rick talked about, those very high costs for land, labor, materials, et cetera. Back to you.
0: So, Saeed, this is your victory lap. Go ahead yep, and get, yep, it. Let's yep, get it out yep, of the yep, way. Yeah, 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 Thank you, let's, thank let's you. Let's get it out of the <laughs> yeah. way. Just we mentioned ahead.
1: this actually, I think, two weeks ago where we said, I was asking, what is a healthy market? And then I did some research and it's, mm-hmm. you know, four, four to, to six, six months, months and now months. we're seeing nine months, mm-hmm. right? Of Nine months of supply. I will
0: say that that number doesn't line up with a lot of other numbers from a lot of real estate Based websites mm-hmm. like Redfin, like Zillow. And so, to give you an idea. Don't
1: do that. Don't take away my victory. I'm not taking away your victory. I'm, I'm not you're, around you. You're, yet. you're yeah. rock solid. You're okay. good. Okay.
0: You're sexy and handsome. Oh, let's thank get, you. Let's get the ego oh, up you today. Go. Okay. Yeah, All right. Yeah, now, shut up. Yeah. All right, shut up. Okay. <laughs> so, the National Association of Home Builders, their aggregate data. Uh, it reports a different number. And this this is actually true because the National Association of Home Builders stock is not the exact same thing as the overall aggregate stock. There is a significant supply issue, but it is improving. Mm-hmm. So one of the weird phenomena in the market right now is the median sales price continues to rise year over year. We're a little over 400000 There's some different reports as to what this is. According to this particular update from the Nas- from, uh, National Association of Realtors, it's $403,800 is the median sales price. Month over month, sales have actually gone down 5.9%. Year over year, sales are down 20.2%. Goddamn. But the, the statistic that I found really important for July of 2022, mm-hmm. inventory. Inventory has gone from 2.6 months in July of 2021 to 3.3 months in July of 2022. Wow. So it's actually moving significantly more close to a balanced market. Just with the last couple of months, has really had been the biggest dent in this. Mm-hmm. And when you think about a, a balanced market being four to six months of inventory, yeah, that is dangerously close to a balanced right economy again. Yeah, exactly for, for housing purposes. So there, there is certainly a tremendous amount of, of of pressure on the real estate economy. And the weird thing here, and I think a lot of people are are pointing to, you, is well, you know, this average value is still going up, mm-hmm. even though transaction volume is is going down what does that mean i really do think that's just pent-up demand people who couldn't buy who were putting in eight offers on average during the height of of this kind of buying spree in this economy yeah they they got so frustrated that a lot of them dropped out well they're, they're now being able to buy with less
1: competition so they're just buying now right they are and i mean homes are still selling on average for around 14 days right that that's that's scary to think about right when uh you would think that buyers are starting to fall off. But you got to remember that these July numbers are based on contracts that are signed in May or June.
0: Yeah, the life cycle of most real estate is about 30 to 60 days to close. So you really don't see the impacts of this economy. And this is one of those things where I'll raise the alarm yet again, lagging indicators. We talked about that last show, lagging indicators. So somebody hit me up and asked the question, well, you know, Chris, how how long do we know these things lag? And we addressed it in the last show a little bit. But what I will say is I think – even myself, I'm surprised that after 14 years of artificial interest rate deflation, how long the lag actually is. Mm-hmm. But I still do believe we get to the end result where I think the lagging indicators really start to show a lot of the things we've talked about.
1: Right. And one statistic that I also looked up today that I thought was very telling was that 16% of homes that went under contract in July... Mm-hmm. Were canceled.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a big number. That's and that's and, a record,
1: that's a record number with the exception of the beginning of the pandemic, which is self explanatory, right? People didn't know what was going to happen. There was a lot of uncertainty in the market, so everyone just had to back out, stay home.
0: Um, the article uh, breakdown why, wh- why, what, why the 16% the, the breakdown, like what percentage was like appraisals coming in low? Oh, or? It's, a,
1: it's, an, it's an affordability issue, you know. I mean, think about it if uh rates spike up from four percent to like five and a half. That's an extra couple hundred dollars to your monthly payment. You can't now. You now can't afford it. My brother just went through this.
0: He listed a, a property for a friend, mm-hmm. got under contract slightly above list, which I thought was pretty quick, and it happened yeah. literally in like the first week in showing. And I was like, "Wow, you know, mm-hmm. good for you." Buyer had to drop out. couldn't Couldn't qualify.
1: Couldn't qualify. Yeah. And then um, some. You know, we know now. We've talked about it <clears throat> on previous episodes that. The, uh, you know, buyers are gaining more bargaining power, right? Mm-hmm. Certainly, yeah. Yeah. And in some cases, they're requesting five to $10,000 of their closing costs to be paid. And they're winning that.
0: Well, and the home builders are giving up those concessions they're out the gate because they need people to come there and buy. Exactly. And for those of you who are going to hit me up again and ask the question, is now the right time to buy? No, wait three months, assess, do your assessment, then buy if you feel like it's the right time for you. Utility, not equity, not investment, play the game smart previous podcasts talk about that. Don't, don't, don't hit me up with the same But
1: question. I think it's good. I think it's good for people that are listening that are, you know, still in the market looking to buy, cause we've talked about it. If you're, yeah. if you're looking to buy a home, it should be for your utility, right? Um, they should know that, okay, you now are gaining some of the power back. And if your realtor is not telling you, well, shame on them there, you got a bad fucking realtor, mm-hmm. but, um, you should know that these, you're starting, you don't have to give up all your contingencies right now. Now you're starting to have the power more in your hands.
0: Yeah, and it's certainly dependent on market by market. There's some right. markets that are still very strong and some markets that have gotten considerably weaker, I think for sure. But the word recession, the word crash, these things have all been thrown around. And and I think there's a couple things that, that I think we can highlight here. An article that just came out recently, it was a CNBC article. Home sales fell nearly 6% in July as housing market slides into a recession. And the statement here is Really, the housing market is in a recession, which I thought was really fascinating, particularly because I hate Dave Ramsey and a lot of the people that are out there talking about how home prices are not going to go down. Mm -hmm. But if the national media is starting to call this a housing recession before we are calling ourselves officially
1: in an actual recession, it feels weird. I think I asked you right before the podcast, Mm -hmm. I've actually never heard that term housing recession. Yeah. You know, I don't know if that's a commonly, you know, a term that's thrown around like regularly, like when these issues arise. But um, I had never heard of it like called that way.
0: So this CNBC article, and that, that's the title. If you want to Google it, uh, relied heavily on Lawrence Yu, who's a chief economist at the National Association of Realtors. And I really found this hilarious because his 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 tone has changed dramatically mm-hmm. from when he was like, "Real estate values going to go up. You know, they're going to go up." Well, now the National Association of Realtors came out with the numbers that I just gave you, right? And it's not good. Other than the average home value going up, everything else is bad, including the sales dropping about twenty percent, like we like we talked about earlier. So I want to read you the quote that he that he had here because I found this to be odd. Okay. This is his quote, Lawrence U. In terms of economic impact, we are surely in a housing recession because builders are not building, said mm. Lawrence U., chief economist for the realtors. However, and I don't know why he said this, the homeowners in, are, are, are the homeowners in a recession? Absolutely not. Homeowners are still, quote, very comfortable financially, end quote. And I'm sitting here going like, what in the actual shit are you talking about, you boy? mm This is a man who was originally saying that home values are going to go up, they're never going to go down, they're they're going to keep going up, this is not impacting us, blah, 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 blah. There's a lot more in this article, but rather than me directly criticize Lawrence Yu, who does happen to work for the National Association of Realtors, and and his, his spin on this has clearly changed. He has openly said we are in a housing recession. Right. Openly said. And at the same time, just a couple months ago, the same guy was saying that values weren't going to go down. And in the same articles put out, by, by websites that feed off their data like keeping current matters. Mm-hmm. They're saying that that according to the Keeping Current Matters and this is their their original projection, right? The same time this statement comes out by Lawrence You, they're saying the National Association, Association of Realtors updated their 5.1% year over year increase in real estate values in January of 2022, right? to 11.5% increase. Right. How is that possible if their chief economist is saying we're in a real estate recession? Right.
1: And it's not it's not just him. I think he's right in line with the chief economist of the National Association of Home Builders, too. They're, they both now changed their tone.
0: And now we're going to get into uh, one of my favorite new economists, and I'll give out his name afterward. He is the, uh, the chief economist for house, uh, Housing Wire, I don't want to say what it is? Uh, yeah. The housing Wire. This is his breakdown on Squawk Box about the impact on the sector, particularly as it relates to home builders and a few other things. I think this is worth a very careful listen because it does independently validate a lot of the things that Saeed and I have been saying to you. Mm
2: -hmm. And Logan, if you're to set this up, we've got the National Association of Home Builders telling us we are in a housing recession at this point. Is that accurate?
3: That is accurate. That actually started a few months ago. Uh, Once the 10-year yield broke above 2%, uh, after all the housing inflation we've taken on the home builder side, on the existing home sales side, Uh, Demand is falling. Production will be falling. Incomes will be falling. Less uh, money will be made by real estate agents and uh, loan officers. So we are in a traditional uh, housing recession, while the U.S. economy itself is still not at that stage yet.
2: So what do you see when you look around at some of these numbers? If we are trying to compare this to what we've seen in the past, how does this match up?
3: I would look at this as uh, a stronger version of what we saw in 2018. Uh, 2018, mortgage rates got to 5%. The builders paused on production for about 30 months. The existing home sales went from about 5.72 million to about 4.98 million. This is just a uh, a bigger hit to the economy when existing home sales are gonna go under 5 million soon. The builders are done uh, building single-family homes for a while now. Their job is to uh, make sure they can sell that last eight months of supply that they have that are either under construction or not uh, started yet. And then uh, incomes are gonna be falling, right? Uh, Loan officers are gonna be making less. The refinance market is dead. Uh, The uh, purchase market, there's a lot of capacity in that sector where everyone's fighting for a smaller group of the pie. So we are in a traditional housing recession, but it isn't like what we saw in 2008 Household uh, balance sheets are much better now, where in 2005, 6, 7, and 8, we saw credit deteriorating. People were falling for foreclosures and bankruptcies. And then the job loss recession happened in 2008. We don't have that kind of housing market, but total activity is falling. Rates are too high. After two and a half years of over 44% home price growth, it looks about right when mortgage rates go from 3% to about 6%.
0: 6%. So that was Logan Motoshami. And I got to tell you, there's a lot of things that he said there. I want to address them as as broadly as we can. So mm-hmm. first thing he talked about yield curve inverting. He, he right. brought he brought that up. Okay, so the yield curve inverting leads leads to a recession, which you've been talking about. We've now. been talking about that multiple times. Mm-hmm. He also talked about the loss of wages. Yep, referencing not only the specific wages, loan officers, real estate agents who are mm-hmm. going to have impacts, but he also talks about how inflation has effectively given us all a salary deduction, like right. mentioned multiple times. He goes on to talk about some, some interesting phenomenon, not all of which I agree with, to be candid. Mm-hmm. I do believe this is like a 2018-style recession, but I don't really believe that was a true recession. I think it was a forced one. And I don't, disagree, I don't agree that, that we're going to have... that this is not a credit deteriorating set of circumstances. I think that's actually not accurate. I just don't think there's enough data there to support it. Mm. Yes, the housing market will be stronger. Yes, the credit for mortgages and HELOCs will be stronger. But consumer credit is out of control. Yeah. Spending is out of control. And there's, there seems to be this constant reliance on the fact that consumers have made more historically and gotten used to spending more. But that's a behavioral economics play that I think we're forgetting
1: here. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think people have fully grasped that they need to change that lifestyle. And they haven't.
0: And we've seen the credit balances increase. Yeah. If, and if you recall, for those of you, again, who listened to previous, previous episodes, Q2 2022 had the most credit accounts open since 2008.
1: Yeah, which is scary when you know consumer debt is rising and there's more credit cards being open. That leads me to think one thing. People are just spending way too much.
0: And that's exactly what's happening. The data the data is out there. It, it's, it's early indication stuff, but it's out there. But he goes on to say a lot of things that I think are, are incredibly impactful. But the one resounding thing that I think everybody listening to the podcast should take home.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The irony, the, the fucking irony, that these real estate agents, the, the, the everybody out there who, who is so, the housing market's fine in this, this economy, the housing market's fine in this economy, the housing market's going to be great, the supply and demand, home values, Dave Ramsey, keeping current matters, everybody's, we're going to be fine, credit's not bad, housing is not going to be a problem. The first thing that we are actually calling... A recession in this country right now, even before the economy is identified as a recession, is the housing market. Is the housing market, exactly. This is, except even the chief economist Lawrence Yu of the National Association of Realtors is literally calling it Mm -hmm. a housing market recession. This is undeniable. And for those of you out there who want a little bit more of a technical explanation here, the National Bureau of Economic Research in like we've talked about so many times, they declare the economic, the national economy is in a recession. But these are the people, the ones that are saying it now are the ones that declare that we are in a real estate recession in their sectors. Mm hmm. Housing Wire is a real estate data and real estate based company. This is their sector. Lawrence, you obviously National Association of Realtors. This is his sector. I want to drive the point home. This is undeniable right now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All in the same week, mind you, the Keeping Current Matters says that real estate values are going to go up. Yeah, exactly. And that's still the rhetoric on social media. That's how perverse it's gotten. Right. It has gotten widely weird. And... Anyway, go ahead? No, no, you got you got a quote. I can tell you, you your phone No, no, no.
1: Quote. I don't I didn't have a quote, but I wanted to see we were talking about keeping current matters and how smart they are. I I wanted to maybe ask you if our friend Brian Monahan had anything smart to say.
0: Mmm, Segway game on fire. Yeah, baby. Look at you. Yeah. The Fred Flintstone of my Barney there Rubble. You go, baby. Mr. <laughs> Crispy high Yabba resolution. Never do, brother. <laughs> yeah. So ironically, one of the things we we heard now in not only one but in two instances about Lauren Lawrence Yu at the National Association of Realtors, and this particular economist uh, Logan at Housing Wire, they both reference the strength of the consumer. Mm-hmm. Something we heard. Brian Moynihan say and if you haven't listened to that episode again I keep referencing prior episodes because these tend to build on one another and that's where the stuff that sounds complicated gets really simple mm-hmm. so we, in a previous episode we talked about Brian Moynihan getting the total stiffy from Jamie Dimon Brian Moynihan came out at a banking conference said the consumer was in great shape he didn't see any issues there and then Jamie Dimon subsequently came out and said they had six to nine months before the consumer was shit out of luck because their spending is essentially too much right and We got into why that was the case where Bank of America is effectively a consumer bank. Yep. They're focusing really on their individual consumer retail business while Jamie Dimon's Chase is much more of a Wall Street bank. Right. So their perspectives and their spins and their pitches, i.e. their bias, is very different on how they describe the economy to people who listen to them who happen to be their shareholders and investors. And they have different data points on the market, right? 1,000%. So Brian Moynihan, my favorite CEO as of late, doubles down on stupid. Saying that, and this is a quote of an article uh, that he was quoted in, B of A CEO flags two major inflationary pitfalls ahead for the average Americans to be concerned about. Oh, wow. Breaking news from our boy. (laughs) Breaking news from Brian Moynihan. Now, Saeed took the liberty of reading this article ahead of time and he had some
1: interesting thoughts on a couple of things you read. You want to share? The one that really stood out to me was it was at the end, the very last thing of the article, they say, Moynihan said that rising wages in the U.S. should help consumers cope with the adverse inflationary effects, although he added that inflation is likely to to blame for the recent drop in savings funds. And I would completely disagree with that. (laughs) I... I, The
0: recent drop in savings funds. You mean the stimmies that we gave everybody? Right, the stimmies that we that got everyone, and then these
1: rising wages that he's hopeful for. Every all every, everyone could talk about. Wait, with these inflations going up, you're not actually getting. You're this not getting a raise. Inflation with inflation going up. Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, you know what I mean. No one, yeah. no one, no one is experiencing any additional income that they've been. No, getting, you know, no, I the. The irony is, as much as we've been like, oh,
0: my God, oil prices are coming down, man. The inflation is going to get better. Yeah. Food prices have skyrocketed. Right. I mean, it, exactly. it's egregious how bad that is. So even if you look at something like PCE Pacific, mm-hmm. uh, core inflation, I can't. <laughs> there's so many acronyms in this business. And I got to stop using them on the podcast. But I think acronyms can throw people off. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So core inflation is essentially getting rid of oil and food and looking at how inflation responds then. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, these two. food and food and, and housing. Right. Housing, yeah. But yeah. I mean how housing hasn't come down, food's gone up, and oil has come down. So there's right. not a, a huge impact on inflation. We'll see what those numbers wind up being in the in the next report. But for, suffice it to say for now that Brian Moynihan, Brian Moynihan, whose name is the most awkward to say, <laughs> uh is still somewhat disconnected.
1: Yeah, very much so. And I feel like he's now like digging his feet deeper into the sand. Or
0: it's very clear to somebody who has been diligently watching the economy that he is spinning his story mm-hmm. to his primary target audience, which is the consumers that really grow his consumer-based bank. Right. He's trying to keep optimism and perspective up as much as he can because that is the primary focus of his bank, is keeping his borrowers, his depositors happy.
1: Right. Yeah. And
0: that's a very different perspective than someone like Jamie
1: Dimon, who is a G. Right. Straight He's G. A, he's a, He is a G um but yeah i mean he has he has shareholders that he has to respond to and um that that's got to be his main focus right at the end of the day he's not out there serving the public yeah.
0: <laughs> it, well and when you're a, a big bank ceo like this that you're going to be very disconnected to how the rest of the world works right. but uh I, I there is ray dalio wrote a book called principles a long 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 time ago and i I didn't read it because it was so massively big when I bought it that I was like, what? And there's no fucking way. But I actually yeah. got the audio book, which broke it down very, very nicely because I could listen to it whenever I wanted to. And it was a very, very long listen. But I really enjoyed the book. In the beginning, the first part of the book was really about kind of his backstory and where those principles came from. And the second mm-hmm. part of it was really kind of more business focused, that like, you know, target and you know, advice and stuff like that. Okay. Ray Dalio interviewed Paul Volcker, Right. Paul Volcker is a former Fed chair during the Carter administration.
1: Yeah, 70s and early 80s. Yeah, and he dealt
0: with inflation that was about 14%. And he talks about Mm -hmm. this in this interview, so we don't have to get into the details of it. But the reason why Paul Volcker is important is not just because he dealt with high inflation before, but it's also because Jerome Powell, our current Fed secretary, has openly stated on the record that he deeply admires Volcker and how he has handled inflation in the past. Right. Almost setting the table. Almost setting the table for who his role model is and what he wants to do moving
1: forward. What he's trying to accomplish, right.
0: So in this particular interview, Ray Dalio is interviewing a very old Paul Volcker. And Paul Volcker is talking about some of the things that he did and could have done and mistakes that he may not have made or may have made if he would have acted differently. Right. And I want everybody to take a a moment and pause. This is a bit of a longer interview clip than we normally play, but this is wisdom, kids. Right. Shall we drop wisdom on them? Drop them. yabba dabba do, brother.
4: So 14.8% inflation is where we hit in March of 1980. Right. And as a result of that, you tighten monetary policy. I remember it very well. You set an M1 target of 5.5%. And as a result of that, uh, interest rates went up to 20%. More than and we ever expected. And when you, when you tighten monetary policy like that, it drove the unemployment rate up to 10%, and it um, caused um, a, a, the worst downturn in that period of time since the Great Depression. And you held tight in that. There were protests, there was anger, and you held tight in that, and you followed it through. And as a result of that, you broke the back of inflation. And in 1983, that inflation rate went down to 3% inflation at that time. And we began a decade of prosperity, of strong growth with low inflation.
5: You may not remember the atmosphere as it was experienced. The inflation rate had gone up for more than a decade. There were kind of feeble efforts to deal with it during the Ford administration, they handed out buttons, whip inflation now, but it had no, had more buttons than policy. And there was always this conflict, which always exists. Don't tighten monetary policy too far, you'll get some unemployment. So we went a decade that way, and we got more inflation and more unemployment. And when I took over, the Federal Reserve, at the end of Carter's administration, President Carter was totally frustrated because he seemed to be unable to take any initiative anyway because all this inflation was backfiring on him. He couldn't do anything on the budget, couldn't do anything on energy, all these things he would have liked to have seemed to be stalled by this fear of inflation, and it was very real at that time, and so he asked me to become chairman of the Federal Reserve. Well. It was obvious that existing policies weren't working. And actually, I was in the Federal Reserve before that voting against some of those policies. But I decided we had to change an approach and we got to stop worrying about increasing unemployment at any time. we got to deal with this inflation or it's going to get worse and worse because it was accelerating when it got close to 15 percent annual rate. And if we pussyfooted much longer, it was going to be 20 percent. And people were really fearful about the stability of the country. So we did tighten. It took a long while actually for the unemployment rate to go up. It was very stubborn and the inflation rate was very stubborn. And we made one or two false moves we had to take back. It look a little longer than we thought, but I saw no other way to approach this other than kind of a bulldog hitting, biting at it straight out. And I got plenty worried in '82 when we did begin getting unemployment. And the damn inflation rate wasn't coming down, and the money supply wasn't coming down the way we wanted. But I felt we were stuck. We we couldn't back off. All the effort we were making would be for naught. Fortunately, by the summer of '82, things the money supply came down inflation rate became coming down. We had a recession, but by the end of the year, it looked like the recession could be over or at least stop getting worse. And it, it ended pretty quickly. But it, it took that last year of sticking with it that I think was necessary to do the job.
1: Wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, in other words, ball so hard, motherfuckers want to find me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder what he would say today. I mean, he di- he died December two thousand and nineteen, but yeah, rest in peace to him. But there there is so much wisdom and experience in what that man lived through and did.
1: Just think about how hard of a job that was, right? Yeah, to, to come in, step in during a time like that. He had to trigger not one but two recessions. Yep. Imagine how many people hated him. Oh, he he was widely hated. And he was he was the point of a lot of animosity. But now think, what if he had to deal with that during the time, day and age of today with social media?
0: Oh, he the he 24 would, he hour, would be, 24 hour media cycle. Murdered. Oh, yeah. Media.
1: I don't know. I don't know if he, he could have
0: done it the same way. And it's not just social media. It's foreign actors infiltrating social media it's to spin the current climate of behavior in the United States. So there's so many factors at play that we don't cognitively recognize at all times. But so they were dealing with 10 years mm-hmm. of inflation. Right. We're dealing with 14.
1: 14, exactly.
0: It, it, it's going to take time. It's going to take time. And I think when a lot of people, somebody said, they, they sent me a couple articles about how the market was reacting. And actually, I'm going to read you the headline. I think this is, I wasn't planning on reading this one on the show, but I think that there's some value in it. They were talking about how that recession the recession was likely not going to happen because uh, of effectively inflation had peaked and was coming back down. Mm. And I, I don't believe it to be the case. Even if it does come back down, it's, it's not coming down from a place that from where it's at now to a place that I think is good. But here was the headline today. This is a Wall Street Journal. OK. Wall Street bets the Fed is bluffing in high stakes inflation game. Oh, my gosh. And I'll just leave it at that. That's a dangerous game to play, though. It's a dangerous game to play, but that's, that's the human element. That's behavioral economics. We don't want to believe that this pain is going to last a long time. Right. We want to believe that we're going to get through it. But what Volcker just said was even he was worried. And he had to, he, there was no way to back off of what he's done. And here's what I'll tell you I think is the real situation. Let's not forget the Fed's job is two, two things. Employment right. and monetary policy, i.e., control right. inflation. Control inflation, right. Right. That's it. But those two work kind of inversely and impact so many different industries. Impact so many different industries. There's a lot, of, a lot that goes into those two functions. Right. He said it himself unemployment went up. We caused a recession. It, Why do we believe so much so today that these things are not going to happen?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a necessary evil, unfortunately. Yeah. And it, it's one that we're, as a, as
0: a society, are so largely in denial about. I think people are starting to kind of be more aware. And certainly the housing recession that we've now dubbed mm-hmm. is, is a real tangible thing, which I think will at least deal with some of the rhetoric as it relates to, to some people's spin on this. Mm-hmm. But there, until the National Bureau of Economic Research decides to actually name this a recessionary economy, which won't happen for some time, as they've said, Right. I think people will continue to be in denial about this. And even after it's named, they're going to continue to be in denial about how long it's going to last. Right. So I, I guess I come back to the same position I've always been in. You can't let this stop your fiscal and financial growth. Mm-hmm. But at the same time,
1: you can't go through it in complete denial and expect to grow financially. Right. Everyone goes, everyone has to live and go through these cycles. Right. As some people are just now entering the workforce. Unfortunately, it's, it, it could be a tough time for them. Tough time. Yeah. You know, um, and others have gone through many cycles. But you, you have, these cycles happen. And uh, we have talked about in the past that it used to happen more frequently.
0: Oh, so it's considerably right. more
1: frequently and with less impact. Right. And I, I would I would put a big ass
0: asterisk on the COVID recession. I know people keep pointing to that. That is not a, a traditional recession in any way you could possibly imagine. The the last real recession we had was the Great Recession. Right. Two thousand eight. Right. So so please do not point to to that. Although it does meet the technical requirements for recession and that, that is what it is. Do not point to that. And do not point to the labor economy and wages and stuff like this. These are all factors that are lagging indicators that are going to change. Do not point to that. Right. If you want to point to the fact that that we are not in a recessionary economy and and, and provide some level of evidence that, that suggests that we're not, I'm all ears for it. Mm-hmm. But to date, no one has really given me anything of any kind of significance to challenge that other than these lagging indicators.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, and... I don't maybe maybe the perception but from most people is if we're in a recession then it's you know complete chaos. Right? But yeah, like everybody's house is on fire yeah, or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, exactly. Oh my the, god, Bobby, we're in a recession. Yeah, no. What do we do? It could it could yeah, impact A that. industry, several industries, whatever. It doesn't have to be global chaos, uh, although it could be um i think that might be the reason why some people are holding back because it doesn't feel like a recession because the last one 2008 shit got crazy it feels um, like a
0: recession to me because i went to gap to get some of the easy gap collection and it was all there's in so bags many, there's, on the floor <laughs> so many things wrong with that statement did, did you hear did, did you hear what he's doing no, no so he got criticized somebody called him out i think it was like an interview or something that was kind of impromptu about like hey man like why don't you see that's insulting because he has like these big ass bags and there's like three of them and his entire collection of like sweaters and everything they're mm-hmm. in these bags in the stores just like in rifle, the gap stores and you have to rifle through his big ass bag of clothes well, somebody, to find.
1: i mean people people like gap also co-signed it
0: yeah and, and, <laughs> right? his, and his argument is he's an innovator but yeah you know i don't really i don't really feel like digging through like a giant glorified trash can to right get, so you like, saw that and you just walked out the store no, I really didn't go in to buy it. I just saw an article, but I wanted to sound like I
1: was. <laughs> I was gonna say, but it's not like I don't look, strike me is the kind of guy that's gonna yeah, buy but some here, easy here's clothes. Here's the problem,
0: okay? That stuff's already somewhat short. I'm a tall dude. Like I'm not trying to show midriff to everybody. Come
1: on, bro, crop top.
0: Yeah, bro, you don't want to see a fuzzy navel. <laughs> it's not. That's the only place in my body I didn't get laser. Yeah. you know what I mean. Like it's, it's just, it's not me. It's you. Right. So before we wrap the show up, we are approaching the 40 minute mark. We have some business to discuss you and i we do yes we do this is news to me we do all right a mutual friend of ours whose name shall not be mentioned got into a purchase contract and this individual was going to buy a property got into escrow and as part of the purchase of a property when you get into escrow if you mm-hmm. happen to be in a homeowner's association you get an update from the hoa right that goes into escrow and you get full disclosure well, of all
1: things that are going
0: on with the HOA. And one of the things that happened to be going on with this HOA was a dispute with the builder. So, how, how long ago was the property built? Do we know? It was recently built, finished in part this year and still under construction in other parts. So, you have like, is it a 10 year warranty? It's a 10 year warranty, but this dispute has also seemed to suggest litigation. Oh, that's scary. Which also means that no traditional lender will finance this. Freddie, Fannie, will not touch it with a 10-foot pole because most banks and lenders that sell to the GSEs will not voluntarily interject themselves into ongoing litigation. Wow. So having a dispute at, at the HOA level, while you may not think is impactful to you, nobody will lend on it. And the question is why? Well, I'll explain. If the builder and the, the, uh, H-O-A. the HOA, sorry, blank, stuck on stupid for a second, can't come to a mutual agreement, about how to resolve this matter and avoid litigation. You'll typically get a list pendants for a judgment on the property or you'll get a mechanically on the property. It will cloud the title to the property and make mm-hmm. it so the bank can't get a first lien position. But even if that's not done, mm-hmm. one of the things that the bank does is they underwrite to your total exposure. Right. How much your cash flow, your ability to repay is. And they rely on the homeowners association payment well right. that could significantly change if you the homeowner has to contribute to a fund to fix the issues. Uh, yeah pending if the, lawsuit right if the builder wasn't found mm-hmm. guilty or if there's cost to this pending lawsuit because pending lawsuits are not necessarily something that's a set aside in most homeowners association which is a balanced budget of future repair and maintenance to be done to the community properties and right. parts of the property and everything else so it, it, it can be a very sticky situation for most people and i think there's a lot of lack of appreciation because number one is not a not every single city around around the country has got homeowners associations. Some of them are fortunate to not have them. Mm-hmm. I think you live in a very desirable property with no homeowners association. I got
1: I got lucky. Yeah, the area that I live in has no HOA. You think that's a good thing or a bad thing? You like that or do you not like that? So I've I've heard pros and cons. This was taught to me by Professor Norris, who we need to get on the show. You will not come on the show. We, to we need to get him much. on the show. I mean, I think we should lie to him and tell him the Liver King's coming on, <laughs> and then just see if he comes. Or on or like Mark Rippetoe or yeah, somebody anybody else? who's... yeah. yeah in the finished Yeah, 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 yeah exactly, yeah. But I mean, the, the benefit of a, of the HOA, right, um keeps your the other homeowners, your neighbors in line and in check to upkeep their property and maintain their properties and yeah. you know, the home values in the neighborhood, you know, all stay, you know, within balance, right? Um they should be in line cuz they all have essentially the same aesthetic. Ex- and exterior maintenance however
0: it's like playing it safe yeah yeah
1: it's it's, playing safe but there's an added cost to you on a monthly basis there is an added cost to you on a monthly basis um luckily the area that i live in um albeit that there is no hoa one of the things that we did consider before buying the home is we looked at you know the neighbors around and made sure that everyone took care of their properties and um there was nothing that was glaring uh so to speak so glaring
0: yeah well I have two. I've got the, quote, master association and the sub association, which is really two. One of them's I want to say, like, 200-something bucks. That one's, like, 100-something bucks. Okay. 300 bucks a month. But I've got no lawn care, no exterior maintenance. I mean, it's an it's a attached townhome, so I don't really have a front yard or a backyard. Right. So, But uh, it's it, it certainly...
1: But there's a lot of areas within the community that need upkeep. Yeah,
0: right? there's community parks. There's three pools, and there's right. two gyms. I yeah, mean, so exactly. it's... It's it's a nice place to live. It's it's very resort like in, in a lot of ways. But mm-hmm. I, I will say that, that if there was a lawsuit at one of those things, I wouldn't have been able to buy here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean that's definitely something that people should do their due diligence on when they are looking to buy a home in an area with an HOA. Right? Mm-hmm. Um but so we did something educational that wasn't recession based. Did you see what we did that? Yeah, yeah, that was nice. You feel good about yourself? Um I but do. maybe if you could uh, we have a little bit of time left, uh break down why Uh, it's so important to not have something cloud title
0: Mm, okay yeah sure the the expression cloud title uh is is an old school legal term from common law effectively meaning that somebody else has a first lien position on your property and to explain what that is if i buy a property and i buy it paid in cash free and clear i own that property if someone gave me a loan that loan is recorded on title in a lien position the first lien gets paid first, the second lien gets paid second, and so on and so forth.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That first lien has a priority over the second. That's why it gets paid first. Right. If someone clouds title, their lien will take priority on title and will, quote, make it somewhat murky as to who gets paid first because their lien is first and right and first in time. Right. In different jurisdictions, there's race and notice jurisdiction. The first one to have notice or the first one to get there and record, have different priorities. In some jurisdictions, it's a combination of both. Those are also known as race notice jurisdictions, ironically. Uh, But for the purposes of this conversation, you want to think of it as the liens on title matter to the priority of the property. Now, there are other liens besides loans. There's things like easements. There's things like... um, uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. There's water rights, riparian rights, which Mm -hmm. can show up. There's housing restrictions, um, HUD restrictions, if you will. There's uh, utility easements that that are out there. There's all sorts of rights of use. There's uh, licenses, which are not to be confused with easements, which give someone a right to use your property, but are not typically recorded on title Where an easement is recorded on title and you buy that property subject to that easement. Those things will all be superior to a lien position. So if someone gives you a loan for that home that loan is subject to those other things in title which are first in time
1: and the people giving you this loan care very much about being first in line when it comes to these things because they want to make sure this is the way they hedge themselves to make sure if anything were to ever go wrong if you lose your job you can't pay back the loan that they know that when it they go back to collect the property and they need to sell that property they will get paid back first
0: in a worst case event scenario of repayment, right. a default scenario. Yeah. They want to make sure that they can get paid. So that 50% loan to value that you have in your home where they give you 50% of the value, you put down 50% of the uh, of the value in cash and they got a loan 50%
1: of it. They want to make sure they can collect on that. And that's right. not
0: subject to somebody else's lien of, you know, 25% ahead of theirs.
1: Yeah, or some bullshit HOA disagreement. Exactly. So
0: these things are impactful. And if you'd like to know more about them, please just send me a question on social media. Maybe, uh,
1: maybe that's something that we should, you know, play around with. See if people want to do that. Send do questions it. your way and we can, at the end of a couple we of episodes. Do that. Like, I'll do
0: a Q&A before the next, the next time we record. The next time we record is Tuesday next week?
1: Yeah. Uh, Monday.
0: Monday. Uh, Monday. Yeah, I got yeah. it. Yeah. We should probably know when we record. Don't do that. Yeah. yeah
1: okay. Monday, Monday. Monday next week. Throw, so, throw Chris some questions. No, no, I'll do, it, I'll, do it, DMs. I'll
0: do it this weekend. I'll do it on Sunday afternoon. Okay. I'll post a Q&A, and A, and we'll see if anybody gets any questions. And we'll spend uh, ten minutes in the next show doing that, answering questions.
1: Yeah, we'll answer. We'll answer some questions. Maybe we can handpick some good ones that we thought are some good, like food. What if thought. I put like a question in, like, how fat is Saeed? Can yeah, I how fat question? do you think he is? And yeah. we, we could actually do this, and then we, we can could do like a do like raffle a, or something like, like yeah, that. Like, yeah, That's a great idea. we should right. do like yeah. a competition, you and I, body fat percentage, and everyone can see that you're just self projecting wow okay first Whoa. of all if we were to do that i would win that uh, no i would on, I, I, come on come on yeah come on adam didn't don't. say you look good he said i look good you weren't all black that does uh, <laughs> i would look good if i wore triple xl too i can't, I can't too. believe this this much like I,
0: I did have to buy double xl t-shirts today <laughs> no. it was oh it was, so you went a size down i'm proud of you man good job uh, <laughs> no no I, size two sizes up actually <laughs> 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 i was like i remember these large shirts being loose man like what, <laughs> what happened <the> <laughs> yeah and then i'm like maybe i just got buffer and i'm yeah, like these nope, are no that ain't it
1: these shirts are from like alibaba like they said yeah. this from overseas? yeah i can't buy shirts
0: made in china yeah no yeah, that's none, never happened none of their wardrobe fits me it's, yeah. it's, it's it's like usually like wide and super short you
1: can't even buy from china's like big and tall i look like <laughs>
0: one of those 1980s football players were like i'm trying to show the crop top underneath yeah the, yeah, yeah for going to football yeah, practice yeah, yeah, it, it's good. not it's not a good look so i, I don't try not to go there well, that's all we got for the show this week, I think. Unless you got something else coming up, no, it was a good one, man. Is that, is that good? You feel like yeah. you feel solid about it? I'm feeling good, yeah, feeling solid.
1: All right, Rock Fred, solid. Fred Flintstone, yeah, Red
0: Flintstone and Barty Rebel out. All right, yabba dabba do, brother. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. we are getting the show up and running right now. So every message, every review and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok and YouTube. So be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.